0: Job 42, verses 5 through 6. Job 42, 5 through 6. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let's pray. Lord, I... Again, I pray for your fresh feeling today that um, that you would lead and guide me as I preach your word. Lord, you know what every person here needs. And uh, I pray that you would be faithful in bringing your word to each person in such a way that it would cause each of us to delight in you more and want to be more like Jesus. Lord, use this time for your glory. Use it so that Your name would be lifted up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have an interesting question that I'd like you to think through before I start the sermon. What do you fear? What do you fear? What are the top two or three things you fear most in this life? Why do you fear them? When you think about the things that you fear, I'm willing to bet the majority of them fall into one of three categories. First of all, losing someone close to you. Maybe family members, maybe a good friend. Maybe it's losing everything you worked for your whole life, all your wealth, your retirement fund, everything gone. What about this one? Your health. Something happens. I talked to a couple of my brothers this week and they said retirement's great, the only wild card is your health. What do you fear most? You know what? All three of those things happened to Job. The first two, he lost 10 of his children and all of his wealth in one afternoon. Everything, stock market crashed. All of his kids died. And then not a short time later, he was covered with some kind of a boil Some kind of a physical sickness that lasted for months. Health gone, family gone, wealth gone. All in a short amount of time. So why do you think we have this book called Job? Why did God in his wisdom put it there? One of the things we'll see is that the lesson of Job is this. That joy and peace are found in submissive faith. In other words, bowing to God's will. Here's the main point. Trust God when you don't understand why because you don't understand why. Trust God. What about this book? It's the first of five what they call poetry or wisdom books. It has a... Poetic style rather than a narrative style. Um, Job is actually one long Hebrew poem. That's what it is, with prose on the beginning and on the end. It's poetry and history, and this book is considered a theological and literary masterpiece. Isn't that incredible? Literary and theological masterpiece. We're not really sure the author or the date, if we don't know the author, it's hard to know the date, and uh, we do know that it is one of the oldest, if not the oldest book in the Bible, and it is, most scholars believe it's somewhere between Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12, that's kind of where they think these events happen, Um, because Job was a real person, and these events really did happen. Uh, we see reference to that in Ezekiel and James. How it talks about have the perseverance of Job and in Ezekiel. So we, we know that he was a real person. This wasn't a, uh, some kind of a, a story that they made up. This is a real event that happened that were recorded. It is the honest portrayal of God allowing a good man to suffer. That's what we have in the book of Job. Here's an a outline that I put together. First chapters 1 through 3 are Job's distress. Talks about all that he had and then all of a sudden Satan comes before God and says, hey, what about this? And then everything is gone and Job is, is, is struggling with all the things that have happened but is still standing in faith. Then we found, find chapters 4 through 37. Those are speeches that are presented by Job and his four friends. It's one of his friends would say something, and Job would respond. And another friend would say something, and it'd be back and forth for all those chapters. All four of those friends. Then chapters 38 through 41, God humbles Job through questions too great to answer. About 66-0 six questions that God asked Job. And then finally, in chapter 42, God honors Job. So that's the, that's the outline of this book. And what we find is that, that large center section, 4 through 37, um, Job's friends are responding. The first three respond to Job, basically saying this, that Job, you must have sinned. You must have sinned somewhere because you suffer due to sin. And you deserve to be blessed if you live righteously. Sounds like works, doesn't it? That's their basic argument, is that these are the things that happen. So you had to have sinned, or this wouldn't be happening to you. Can you relate to that? Isn't that where we default almost automatically when something happens in our lives that's negative? We automatically, well, where did I sin? I must have sinned. I had to sin. And yet, we see here that, uh, and we know biblically that nobody deserves God's favor and blessings. You don't earn God's favor and blessings. You know, if I just do this, then God has to do that. And that's the mentality that his first three friends had. It's a, uh, based on merit. If you were good, God would have to bless you. And I use that term, have to bless you. Because you'd earn it, you'd deserve it. But because you've sinned, that's why this is coming upon you. And that's just not scriptural. You know, it's easy for us to blame suffering on lifestyles, isn't it? We say, well, that person is not, is not doing well physically because they don't take care of themselves. Or if this person didn't do this, then that's why they're suffering. And some of it is true. But there are many, many, many reasons why people suffer. And we need to understand it. Take a look. Here's just a few. The consequence of sin. That's what Job's first three friends were laying, leaning on. You had to have sinned, Job. There's no way that you'd go through these hard things if there wasn't some kind of significant sin in your life. And then we see to reveal true character. God puts pressure on us. And you know, like I always say, what's inside comes out. When things get hard and you react, you say, I don't know where that came from. I do. It was always in there. It was always in there. And that's what I think is happening with Job. God's doing a work here. We see to keep down pride. Paul talked about that. You know, I was given this physical ailment so that I wouldn't be puffed up. So there's a sense that there's a a suffering that happens in order to keep us humble before God. To test or grow your faith. Will you trust in the hard times? It's easy to trust when things are going great, right? But when things get difficult, where do you stand? To glorify God. Scripture says just to glorify God. Sanctification, to make us more like Christ. Didn't Christ suffer? He was known as the suffering servant. Wasn't he treated unjustly? Did he deserve what he got? No. He didn't deserve any of what he he received. And we say, well, Job didn't receive it, and then that's in one way where we could say that there's a parallel here. But sanctification or to discipline his children, to spank us. That's what it is. Those are just some reasons of why people suffer. Many, many reasons. But Job's first three friends were not correct. Job even argued. He says, uh, in one point, he said, well, listen. I know people who are evil that are blessed. And I know people that are good that suffer. So this doesn't hold, what you're saying. What you're saying doesn't hold. Even the world, he talks about travelers. Travelers will say that there are good pe- that are evil people that are prospering, that aren't suffering. So it doesn't hold up. And then Job's fourth friend, Elihu, comes and says, Listen, Job, uh, you're righteous, but you're not perfect. You're righteous, but you're not perfect. Your suffering is part of a refinement, is part of a sanctification process that God is doing in your life. And he hit it on the head. He hit it on the head. Because, you see, Job did not suffer because he had sinned. Okay? But he sinned because he was suffering. He sinned because he was suffering. Take a look at God's word. Job 1.8, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? You say, why do I have those New Testament verses listed there? because it talks about you there it talks about how you're blameless that's the word they use and then it goes on in job 9:20 though i am in the right my own mouth would condemn me though i am blameless he would prove me perverse Job 38.2, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Why are you talking stupid, Job, is my interpretation of that. And then Job 42.3, therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. You see that word there, blameless, in Job 1 and also uh, in 9.20? It means this perfect, complete, not wanting. It does not mean sinless. That's why you can be called blameless in the Word of God because you're made complete. How? Through Christ. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. You're perfect. You're blameless because of what Christ has done for you, what Christ is doing in you, the price that was paid for you. But you still sin. I still sin. And we we get uncomfortable when biblical words are used sometimes to describe us. I know I do. So you're blameless? Well, according to God's eyes, because of Christ? And so what we see here is this picture that Job's suffering drove him to say things about himself that were overly optimistic. Ever happened to you? Eh, doing pretty good. You know, yeah, those people over there are suffering, but I'm not like them. Job said things. He sinned when his, in his suffering. He said things that were overly optimistic about himself and things that were disrespectful about God. Now, I want to say that God can handle our questions. He can handle our struggles. But we need to be careful. And Job crossed the line. Because what happened is God was doing something really wonderful in Job. You see, the suffering brought out Job's hidden sin of pride. See, God loved him enough to know that there was something in there that wasn't Christ-like. And God was going to bring it forward so he could deal with it. So he could make Job more like Jesus. And part of it was pride. And that's why I think we have a misunderstanding of this book. Because if I were to ask you to read through it and say, What's this book about? we would have a tendency to say, This is about man's suffering. You know, maybe the fairness of of suffering, whatever it might be. But really, what this book is about, it's about God's sovereignty, it's about God's greatness. It's about God's goodness, and we struggle with that right there if you read through Job. This is about God's goodness? What God put Job through is about God's goodness? It's not only about his goodness, but it's about his love for Job and his love for us in the midst of suffering. It's about God's sovereignty, greatness, goodness, and love. What about God's power and sovereignty? It's described here so many times as displayed in creation. Including a creation called Satan. Take a look at God's word. Job 1, again, 9 through 12. Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Out your hand, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. I highlighted things there. See who Satan is seeing is stretching out his hand against Job. He's saying, "God, if you stretch out your hand against him, he will curse you to your face." And then God says to Satan, "You can go this far and no more." You see, Satan is a dog on a leash. He does not, he's not, you know, there's God, and oh boy, then it's coming in second close to Satan. No, Satan is a created being. And right here we see the sovereignty of God even over Satan. No, uh-uh-uh, this far, no more. So then the second time, Satan comes before the Lord. And we see that in chapter 2, verses 3b through 6. He still holds, this is God speaking to Satan, he still holds fast his integrity. Although you incited me against him, Incited who? Incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Okay? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But you stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. Again, you stretch out your hand. Satan is acknowledging this. Satan is acknowledging this. And he goes on and he says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. You cannot take his life. Again, limitations. It's showing the sovereignty and the power of God even over Satan. He's saying, You could do this far and no more. But Satan was acknowledging because he's saying, You know what? He couldn't do it unless God allowed it. That's what we see here. He couldn't do it unless God allowed it. So his Job's family is destroyed. Job's wealth is gone. His health is gone. All these things are occurring here. And yet, we see in God's word that he's sovereign over all things. That brings a conflict in our hearts. We're not going to deal with that today. Maybe you should do your own study. It shows God's sovereignty and power over all creation. And then I love what God does. Later in in the book, he asked Job 60 questions. I kind of like this. You know, because Job was kind of complaining about God not being fair and all this other stuff, and, and God not doing things right. Can you relay it? And God said, okay, okay, Job, let me ask you a few questions now. You know it all. Let me ask you a few questions. Tell me. 60 questions. And those questions are really about this, about the order, beauty, and terror of creation. Where do I store snow? You know, tell me. What is all this, where does all this come from, Job? Isn't it interesting because Job is talking about suffering and God addresses it with creation. Why? Why? He never really answered Job's question here. Why? Because if Job could not fathom the complexity of God's purposes in the natural order in creation, how could he understand God's purposes in evil and suffering. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He said, You can't even get why creation is the way creation is. And you're asking me for deeper things than that. You can't even understand this. That's the point that he's making. He's I'm God, you're not. And you think you have all the answers. You think you know it all, but you don't. And he said, So you gotta trust me here, Job. I love these verses. Some of these verses are going to make us probably a little uncomfortable here. 28, 28, look at this. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Job 28, 28. Wonder where that verse was? Right there. Job 12, 23 through 25. Listen to this. He, meaning God, makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and leads them away. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in trackless waste. They grope in the dark without light, and he makes them stagger like a drunken man. Does that not sound like today? It says what it says. It says what it says. Takes brilliant men and then it, it confuses their thoughts, and they start thinking that there's 15 different genders and that this is the right way to go. And you go, that's foolishness. How, anybody with common sense would see that that doesn't make any sense economically or whatever. Well, they're confused. God's got a plan. Is He sovereign or is He not? Is He in charge of the nations? It says, here he is. It says, here he is. And then Psalm eighty four eleven. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you believe that? If you're struggling right now, hard times are, are in your life and you're confused, do you believe that right there? That no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly? You see, we default to that if bad things are happening to me, it must be because I have sin in my life, and maybe it is. But do you believe that God can even use what you're going through to bring himself glory? What he's doing is this to Job, and he's doing this to us because we get frustrated with what's happening in our lives or in the world. We need to be overwhelmed with our ignorance and our inabilities. Not impressed with our limited knowledge and finite capabilities. We think we're all it. And God could use a few lessons on how to run my life correctly. I know because I've been there. I'm not saying that because it's it's a funny statement. I've been there. And what God is saying is you have no business to instruct or condemn the maker and the ruler regarding how he runs his world. He and his might is purposeful. He has a plan. Well, I don't really agree with that plan. I can just hear God saying to Dan, well, Dan, then let me ask you a few questions. Let me ask you a few questions. You see, that's what he was bringing Job to, to this place of realizing that, Job, you don't have it together and you don't have the answer. So how can you condemn me for what I'm doing in your life and say, it is not fair? How can you do that? You don't know my purposes, Dan. You don't know what I'm working in your life. So, would you just relax and trust? You see, that's why Job is really about God, about his sovereignty and his greatness. He is sovereign over all creation, he is sovereign over all nations, he is sovereign over it all. He's sovereign over Satan, he is sovereign, he is working his plan to perfection. And God is good and loving. That's what we see in Job. God is good and loving, because His goodness and His love towards you and towards I and towards Job is connected with His purposes and His end goals. That's why it's loving. Let me ask you: If your kids, when after you kid, after you spank your child, would they think you're loving? No. You're mean, right? Isn't that how we respond so many times when? God may be spanking us or hard things come in our life. Yet it's loving and it's kind. What God did to Job was loving and kind. You see, it was God's deep compassion and love that motivated him to humble Job so that he would do what? Repent, first of all, of sin and then trust him more. That Job would begin to trust God even more in the times when things didn't make sense. That's what we see here. And that's what God did in Job's life. Take a look. Job 42, 2 through 6. I know that you can do all things. This is Job speaking to God. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak, I will question you and make you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Do you see what God did for Job? It was all here, Job or a lot of it was here now it's here who I am it wasn't just information anymore so you see you understand like you didn't before job this is something that god is that job was saying therefore i despise myself and i repent in dust and ashes i see me and i'm so arrogant god have mercy on me please forgive me you know, I I thought I knew you before and then, you know, I go through this hard time and now I I see that you are sovereign in a way I can't understand. What a beautiful picture because what happened is this. God stripped Job of the sources of his earthly joy. Job's hope, his joy, was in his family and in his wealth and in his health. And that's how he, he... found his joy and his security, and God stripped it all away and said, you know what, I need to be the one that is your joy. Regardless of what happens in your family or in the world or with your wealth or your poverty or with your health or, or, or your sickness, I need to be the one that you trust and you hope in me. And so I'm going to remove those crutches that you have that you think are so solid. I'm going to remove those. So that there's only one you can lean on, and it's me. Which it should have been like that all the time, right? We say the words, but do we live like that? That he truly is our hope and our joy. And what if everything were stripped away? Would we still find our hope and our trust in him? That's what he was working in Job's life. It was this beautiful work that God was doing. It was a hard work, but it was beautiful. And God is the one who brings Job through this time of trial. Job asks questions of God. He seeks answers from God. He becomes angry with God. And yet he remained faithful. God did that. Just like with you and I, he will keep us to the end in our faith. And then Job repented. You see, the peace and joy that Job was looking for was not ultimately from God restoring his earthly riches and securities. His joy and his peace were from a deeper, more profound understanding of both God and himself. That's where he started finding this real deep joy. He started understanding God greater, and he started understanding himself greater. And he started understanding that, you know what? I'm desperate. I'm in a bad spot here. You know, God starts firing those questions, and I wonder how long it took Job to get to that place where he said, boy, I am in way over my head here. I wonder. Third question? First question? Tenth question? Don't know. Wonder how deep the pride was. But God knew. Job saw his desperate condition. He saw that he was undone before a holy God he saw that he was impure and god was pure and he was crying out for something that you and i at one time cried out for in our lives he was crying out for a mediator he was crying out for a redeemer because he understand what who he was and who god was and they didn't there, there was a problem here there was this great gap Look at how throughout the book of Job, Job is calling for someone, calling for somebody to be that mediator. He was crying out for Christ. Take a look. Verses from Job, Job 14 4. Who can bring a clean thing of an unclean out of an unclean? There is not one. He understood his condition, didn't he? I am a sinner separated from God, and nothing can change that. And God is holy, and because I am a sinner, I'm separated from God. This is the gospel. I'm separated from God. Who's going to help me? Who can make this unclean thing clean? Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He comes and he goes to the cross. He lives that sinless life that God requires and he goes to the cross. And when he dies on the cross for the sins of all who would believe, there's this beautiful exchange and God makes the unclean clean. Isn't that incredible? Job is seeking that. He's saying, Who's, who can do this? This is impossible to do myself. And then we see Job 9.33. There is no arbitrator between us who might lay his hand on us both. He, saw, he said, I, I shouldn't even be talking to this God because I am unclean. And then it goes on in Job 19, 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Isn't that Jesus? Look at what Job was seeking. He knew his condition. He knew what he needed, yet he didn't know who it was at that time. And yet the Father would send Christ. In 1 Timothy 2, 5-6, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. There is Job's answer to Job's question. And Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Job was looking for a savior As God asked him the questions. And isn't that what God does to us when we're lost? He keeps bringing us to places where we don't have answers. And we get to a place by God's grace that he says, we realize, man, I'm in a bad spot here. He's holy and I'm not. And I need someone to be this mediator between God and I. And then the beauty of the gospel shines so gloriously to us. You remember that? You remember that? When the gospel just blew you away? and you saw, man, me? Me? I'm unclean. Yeah, but in Christ you're blameless. You see, God deserved praise simply for who He is, not because of His blessings. Is that where you're at today? God deserves praise simply for who He is apart from his blessings. If the bottom falls out, can you still praise him? I want to say that 16 times Job asked why. You know what? God never answered him. God never answered Job. Not one time. But God did answer Job a more important question. Who? Who? There's this sovereign, great, good Lord who is in control of everything. And he cared for and sustained Job. That's the who. You may never know the why, but you can always know the who. And that's what gives us hope. You see, we won't always understand why something happened. And God is not obliged to explain it to you. He's God, you're not. But it comes back to my main point. Trust God when you don't understand the why. And the reason is because you don't understand why. Trust Him. And I conclude with these verses. They're just beautiful. Job one twenty one: Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 18.30. This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for those who take refuge in Him. And then I found this quote in a book that Ken actually gave me from Christopher Ash. The book of Job is about true worship. A person bowing down in the darkness to the one who is God. Leaving even our most agonizing, unanswered questions at his feet. For we are creatures and he alone is the creator. Because Job is about God and the worship of God, it is also about the humility to admit that there is so much about the world that we do not understand. Wisdom with a capital W is God's preserve. It is presumptuous of us to act as if we had made the world, which is what we do the moment we suggest that we could run the world better than God or that we could run our lives better than God. Let's pray. Lord, we stand before you in awe. You are the great Creator, the Sovereign, Omnipotent, Omniscient God, and your ways are higher than our ways. So we come before you, Lord, and I ask that you would do a work in our midst, Lord. If there are those who are asking the question, why, and don't have an answer, would you let them rest in the fact that they don't have an answer, and they may never get one from you? And Lord, that even in the midst of the struggle, that... The fact that they don't know why should be the very reason why they do trust you. God, do this work in us. Thank you for the book of Job. Thank you for what you did in Job's life, the hard thing. But we see your glory. We see your power. We see your sovereignty. We see your goodness and your love in it. Help us to see that in our lives when it's just tough. And we pray this in Jesus' glorious and wonderful and powerful name. Amen.